0: Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back. Buckle up and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey, everybody. This is Marnie Bloodberg, and welcome to the first edition of 2016 of Marnie's Friends. And I have a wonderful friend here today with me today, Dr. Stanley L. And I'm excited to share this program with you, the Pillars of experience. Extraordinary Achievement. During the next hour, you are going to discover the pillars of extraordinary achievement as you learn the power of goals, ideals, principles, and quality experiences, how to think about problems, how to maximize self-control and why it's critical, the role of emotions in success a new way to think about flexibility, and why visualizing your goals is so important. Our guest today, Dr. Stanley L., is the founder and president of the National Society of American Business Owners and the Nation's Authority of American Business Ownership Development. He established American Business Ownership Development in 1986 as a way of providing more effective and sustainable strategies to grassroots companies seeking high growth and ideals that an entrepreneur since age seventeen. He has contributed his efforts to support hundreds of business owners in the past forty years through consulting, training, mentoring, facilitating, marketing, writing, designing, inventing, publishing and multimedia broadcasting, both radio and video. And his background includes business, economics, community, and creative development. Welcome to you, Doctor Stan.
1: Oh so, uh, well you know it sounds like um a whole lot to have to answer up to.
2: You've <laughs> <laughs> <He's> been busy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Marty, I just, first I'd like to say thank you for yeah, having me on the show. I mean, I really appreciate you kind of, you know, reaching out to me to see what I can contribute to those out there. But uh, it really is a, an honor and. I, I, I try not to use that word busy, though, uh, Marty, because it kind of connotates a lot of different things. I always say active. I'm an active individual.
0: <laughs> active, right. <laughs> well, I've actually I've actually made an acrostic out of busy. It's best unique strategies for you because I always think busy gets a bad rap now. Everybody's trying yep. to be so busy and too busy and don't be so busy and all that. But actually, I think God created us. To accomplish work, I think that's part of the reason why we're here, and I'm excited mm. to kind of get inside your head today as you talk to us about the pillars of extraordinary achievement and you actually have um and even though you wrote the the three pillars of extraordinary achievement, and today we're going to talk about some extra concepts on that too. but let's go ahead and dive right in and talk about the power of goals, ideals, principles, and quality experiences so that's a, that's a lot to talk about all at once, and where would you like to begin?
1: Well, you know, I, I think it's, it's practical to step back and look at, you know, us as individuals in, in the world first, because we come here into the world. We're born, We you know, we go up, we do whatever we do, but we do come with purpose, and I think identifying that, even if it's just purpose, is important to beginning anything. So when I talk about focus, for example, I always start with what is the purpose? If it's you and your professional career, what is the purpose, what I'm ultimately looking to achieve? If it's uh, within a company and you're working on an initiative, you know, what is the purpose? Define that purpose first because that becomes the, the, the focal point for everything else to occur. And, and the reason, another reason why I make it so important is the focus and, and purpose is because when you identify that purpose as your primary, it's like looking at something under a microscope. The more you look, the more you see. So the mm. purpose begins to expand to other things. These other things can become actions, programs, behaviors, ways of thinking, but it really requires keen and committed effort to, to looking at that purpose with a the sharp eye under a microscope. And find every little thing about it you can. That begins to help to shape the way we think and behave, and then from there we can move on.
0: I just agree so much that, that the, goal, the goals cannot be achieved unless the purpose has the driving power to take you there. Um, so when a person finds themselves having dreams and ideals and all these things but never making progress, is the right place to look back at the purpose?
1: Well, absolutely. I I would guarantee that the majority of people that have goals have never stepped back and looked at themselves and said, you know, what am I ultimately trying to achieve or be in life? Uh, These days, I'm talking to a lot of young people, and, you know, the old adage or the old question is, what do you want to be when you grow up, has now turned to, what what kind of person do you want to be when you grow up?
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Because, you know, history has shown, at least for our younger generation, has shown that you can go out and say, I want to be a doctor or lawyer or whatever it is career-wise and totally ignore the other things that are important to your success and happiness in life. matter of fact, you can achieve tremendous amounts of success in whatever profession or career you want to be in and be the same miserable person you were when you started out. Hmm. So we re- rephrased things instead to ask the question, what kind of person do I ultimately want to be? And then define purpose behind that because now you're affecting your lifestyle your quality of life in terms of how you think, feel, and approach things. So in five years, I'm closer to that, that idealistic person that I want to be. In 20 years, I'm even closer to that person. Now I don't have to be concerned about the people around me because my example and influence is based on me improving myself and this pursuit mm-hmm. of this thing that I am.
0: Yeah. Love it. Love it. That <laughs> we, We're we traveling right now. That uh, We're coming to you today remote, and We were at church at Bridgepoint Church in Saint Petersburg on Sunday, and the pastor was talking about, you know, his 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 main point was try to be the person your dog thinks you already are. (laughs) And you know, it was just hilarious. But he said, you know, God God thinks of you in such glowing terms that you really can't, you know, He loves you so much, and He just has invested so much in you, and He sees so much potential in you. But about the only person or a creature on earth that gives you that much respect here on earth is, is a dog who just loves you no matter what. And every time he sees you, he's so happy to see you. And, you know, to aspire to be the person that God created us to be. I thought it was such a creative approach. And I like this going back to, you know, who 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 do you want to be when you grow up? I love that. That is such a great question instead of what do you want to do when you grow up? That's great. I was talking about this on our way toward any of our goals or ideals or the things that we want to accomplish in life, we we seem to hit a lot of problems or roadblocks or um, we get stuck. Uh, how do you, how should we think about those things?
1: Well, it's funny, see, because in, in the world of Dr. Stanley L., a problem, especially in business, I mean, problems are traditionally opportunities to prove something. So the perspective an individual takes or should take is, when a problem pops up, look for the opportunity to build. Because that's all it's telling you. It's telling you that you don't know enough, you haven't done enough. Every problem or situation that we confront is an opportunity to make something better. Mm-hmm. And it ultimately worked that well. For everybody's life, we run into a problem. We had tragedies. We had upsets. We had this happen. Five, 10, 15 years later, you're using the same experience to help someone.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and it isn't always something that we can identify in the moment as having value. Um, I'm thinking of right now our retail store that we own is is really having a hard time. There's multiple reasons. First of all, uh, we had a consultant come in and. First of all, there's just way too much retail in our small town, and we've just gotten. I mean, our town is 1,700 people. We just got a second dollar store, if you can believe it. For 1,700 people, it's, not, it's just amazing. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's a huge problem. People are buying more online. Um, there's there's other things like, for instance, we have a Christian bookstore in in that retail store, and the Kindle has taken pretty much all of our book readers. Um, very few people comparatively to a few years ago, read books anymore in paperback and not enough to support an entire um, category. So there's all kinds of reasons, yet in the midst of all this, I think the important thing is to focus on what does God want to accomplish today instead of what did I think it was going to look like when I started. What do you think about that, what I just said?
1: Well, in in some of the models that I use for business owners in general, uh let me just step back one 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 more point though, so I can get in this correctly and you can understand and put it in perspective. I look yes. at, at god I look at God's law, and I look at the first great command that went forth. Now most people will probably are going, well, are you are talking about the Ten commandments? Oh no, you're talking about the uh, great commandment Jesus has given when they ask what what's the great commandment, No, I'm talking about the very first great command: let there be light." <laughs> that, that commandment Let there be light Was the first command to go forth And what happened? Obedience Light appeared Once light appeared What happened? It began to expand Throughout creation If we're consistent With God's law Let there be light Everything in our life That we do should expand It should never look the same It should expand To reach greater and more People with greater intensity Because that's what light does if we're consistent with that law, then we have no problems because you're always expanding light. No matter what the situation looks like, you're always looking for that positive, constructive thing that you can take to the next level and make it greater. Now, if we applied that in business, what would happen is a bookstore that looks like a regular bookstore is no longer a regular bookstore anymore. It has evolved. I say to clients sometimes, wait a minute, if you started out five years ago with this type of business, five years later, it should not look the same because the law is let There be light. Light expands. The universe is constantly growing and expanding. We're supposed to do the same thing. So a lot of times we're competing because of the norm. The norm stays the same. Everybody loves, okay, bookstore, 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 and we just go along with that, and we compete with the same status quo. (laughs) And we're thinking, well, you know, that's online books. I have a physical bookstore here. How am I supposed to expand this? Well, uh, give me five customers in my bookstore, and we're going to have in five months five friends. And then we could have five parties because each friend is bought a group of friends. We have five parties now. Can't do that online.
0: I think that there was something there that I, I either misunderstood or missed. Um, so, did you? Can you just say that last little part again? Well,
1: let if
2: me you, give you me had if you that, had a physical
0: bookstore, you have, you have five physical, friends.
1: Yeah, yeah, five friends, right? And I'm comparing the the physical bookstore to Amazon, let's say. You have okay. five. Cu- you have five customers that come into your store,
2: okay. and
1: amazon has amazon they're selling books well, in five months, your five customers should be five friends and then right. five months later, they got five more friends they brought in, and now we've all come five associates at some point, if a business is working according to god's law, expanding what you have, working it make it greater, five friends go to five friends to become five loyal. People that are now investing and keeping your business going because we have all a common interest here. We're building businesses based on relationships these days. If a company starts right. off in one in one mode successfully and expects to continue in that mode without expanding and deeper, reaching deeper and deeper to their development process to make it greater, of more value, cover more ground, present more benefits. Making it anchored to where people are talking about you, where you don't have to spend any more money on advertising. We wouldn't have these issues. See, that's that's law. That's God's law. Expand. You give them something. Use what you have. Make it greater. You made it greater. Make it greater. You made it greater. Make it greater. And before you know it, you're you're viral. Mm-hmm.
0: So great. Well, this is Marnie are visiting today with Dr. Stanley L. of the National Society of American Business Owners nasbo.wordpress.com. We're going to come back and talk about how to maximize self-control and why it's critical. We'll be right back.
3: Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time.
1: Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at
0: www.womensspeakers.com. Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis-Higgs. Lisa DeVere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book for ideal audience and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. Hey welcome back. This is Marty Swedberg. Our guest today is Dr. Stanley L of the National Society of american business owners and we're talking about uh, the pillars of extraordinary achievement just before break, we were talking about uh expanding light and how god's first great command was, "Let there be light," and how we are continuing to expand on what God started in our lives, so he uses us to go forward. So just take a moment longer, uh, Stan, and talk about um, in our lives, we come into this world as a baby, and then we grow and we develop and and, uh, at some point come into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and then he flows his life through us, which allows us to be something more than we ever could be without him um we can be what we were created and designed to be. So speaks us about that kind of that light expansion again go back and just complete that thought as it relates to us in our in our lives not just necessarily in a business but just in our lives.
1: Well yeah, I love the way you you, you put that because that is really the essence of it all. You know, we are individuals first, Marnie. We are children of God first before the business. Oh <laughs> right. Don't right. If we don't operate from that standpoint, then we've lost it. I I was doing a seminar of about 50 business owners over at a church in in Philadelphia, and a gentleman asked me, he says, how do you balance family and business? I started laughing, and everybody kind of got perplexed by, why is he laughing? I said, oh, excuse me, forgive me for that, but the reason I laugh is this. Excuse me, sir, do you have a business plan? He says, yes, I do have a business plan. I said, is your family included in it? he said, no. (laughs) I said, okay, so uh, you have a business plan to grow your business, but you didn't include your family in the business plan. How's that going to work? Will you put the business before the family? No. You do the family plan and make the business and then adjunct of that, (laughs) an extension of it, because now you know who you are. Now you know what your gifts, talents, and abilities are. You know now how to contribute to your family without taking away from anybody. You're expanding what God had already given (laughs) you. If we expect to expand things without taking what God has given us first and building upon it, then we've violated God's law. And every example that beloved Jesus gave us, he built upon what already existed. He took the water, made wine. And he continued to gain and demonstrate greater power because he took what he had and made it greater. And we're yeah. supposed to do the same thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love that, love that. And I think that I, I had the I had the privilege of being an at home mom when my kids were little, and we homeschooled. And so I never got paid a penny from anybody <laughs> <laughs> to homeschool my children and to raise my kids. Um, my husband would go to work, and he would bring home the money, and we would use that um, to run our household and, and pay everything. But I didn't ever associate raising children with an hourly wage or any kind of monetary value. So for me, it's very easy to put everything into the same bucket. Everything in my life is in one big God bucket. This is all yeah. God's time. It's all God's money. It's all God's projects. It's all in the same bucket. But I think for a lot of people, that isn't so easy to do um, because uh, they their business is their financial income, uh they they tend to um really distinguish between family and work and ministry and those kind of things with very clear lines in their minds. Is there anything that they can do to help to um to realize that all of it's important to God, not just ministry or not just family or not just business?
1: Absolutely. Again, you know, I I'm gonna to try to keep this real simple. We are individuals first. Now, it requires me when I go to work as a professional to take on the consciousness of a professional. I'm a businessman now. If I'm in the office and the daughter, baby daughter, wants to talk to daddy, I have to shift my consciousness on the instant to become a dad. I know how to do that very easily. We have to have the same level of awareness and consciousness for life in general. Because I'm in a, a, a professional situation does not make me less of a person. This is where people go wrong because they put the business first and then the ethics, morals, and principles, all those things that they use at home go to the wayside. That creates a lot of issues for us. Businesses, you know, God created this divine plan. It's this, this perfect plan. Yes, you do have to work. Yes, you have to family that's separate. But you don't sacrifice the values and principles of one for the other. Complement each other. So that one experience builds on. I learn organization, structure, discipline, timeliness at work. I learn values, love, giving, kindness. And I can take those principles from family and combine them to work. Imagine what the world would look like if we got that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it would it would definitely be a different place. I think about um when I talk to people uh, because I, I manage our businesses from a home office, and so um, somebody from the restaurant will call, and they, they all just say the same kind of thing to me. Um, do you want to put on your restaurant hat, or do you want to put on your retail store hat? Or do you want to put on <laughs> your ring-figured hat or whatever it is? Um, and people just know that whatever I'm thinking about right then, I'm going to shift gears now, like you said, change consciousness, and be for them who they need right then in that moment. And that's something that we can do for people. In fact, it kind of segues into the next thing we're going to talk about today with using self-control and why it's critical. You know, um, we can com- compartmentalize our lives to such a point where we don't allow, um, let's say, children to connect with us at work or different things like that. There are ways to uh, make these things work together. There are some times when it just simply can't. I think about a line worker in a factory. You're not going to be able to take, you know, Simple calls from your children while you're doing that job. Uh, there are different. There are different things that come up, but a lot of these things require us to employ some self-control, and all of life really depends on this. On our ability to do this, it, it is it is such a pivotal thing. We don't talk about it a whole lot as it relates to business, but it's very important. Where have you seen self-control kind of take something off the track, um, or a lack of self-control? take something off the track, and how can we avoid doing that?
1: Well, you know, you, you see it a lot in business, uh, especially with business owners, who don't really understand the power they have. Uh, and I'm sure you've been there before. You know people that have been there where the business owner or the manager walks through the office and everybody just goes into a state of fright. <laughs> you know, right. they're not the, the high-face house anymore because, you know, the business owner or the manager is such just. That's such personality that he just, or she puts fright in everybody. Well, client that actually was that kind of person and didn't know it. So I went to him and I said, you know, that when you walk through the store, um, everybody goes into a state of fright. He says, well, why did you do that, Stanley? He says, because of the way you behave. He says, you come through, you're very stern, you don't say anything, and they just go into fright. and They they make a lot of mistakes because of that. I said, and, and I said, here's the test are your employees coming to you with ideas to improve business? He says, no, they never do that. I said, because they're afraid to. (laughs) So he had to take a close examination of himself, and he did, because he's a real nice guy. And he wanted them to now know that he's a nice guy, and he changed it, and it totally upgraded the entire operation in terms of service, personality, morale, everything. Now, to break it down even more than that, is see, we're see we taught from the time we you know can learn anything that knowledge is power for the most part. Knowledge is powerful, but it is not the power. Our emotions are our powerhouse. They're 75% more powerful than thought. My example that I use with people is you have two individuals of, of the same IQ. One is a genius, the other one's in an insane asylum. What's the difference? One can control the emotions and the
2: other one can't. Huh. <laughs> so That's if the someone,
0: difference. If someone is listening, and they're like, you know, I just don't know. I don't know, like, if I have self-control or if I can control my. I don't know how to tell that. I mean, is, should it just be so clear, or is there, is there a way that you can know that something's amiss?
1: Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, ask myself, am I feeling good about this? (laughs) Because typically people feel good about something, they're okay, and everything around them is okay. It's when that thing happens that causes them a little bit of resentment or resistance or not really getting away in something, and they start to turn. And we start to turn on that path, you slide very quickly, very fast. Back in the old days when you watched television, they would show the cartoon that got angry and they would they would blow up their heads and they turn red and blow off steam. <laughs>
2: right. The other, right. the other
1: the other side of it was a count to ten. One two so that you didn't get to that point of blowing steam. Because nothing good happens when you lack self control. When you le when you lose yourself, your emotions become discordant. Everything in your in your body, biologically speaking, mostly and mentally goes south. No good ideas, no ways to solve problems. You literally shut down. And if anybody's in the proximity of where you are, they get affected by it. So I say to people, you're being totally irresponsible when you allow yourself to get to that point because you are affecting everyone. Responsible person being conscious now that, you know, we're all children of God. We have a responsibility to life, to expand life, the good in life to what expand, not the other. So if we get in that situation, we find ourselves slipping into the darkness of anger, irritation, resentment. You have to look at, okay, how is this going to affect me? One, that's first, it's not good. People have health issues because of those things. Then it's going to affect the people around you. So now you're affecting their health, their mental capacity, their emotional state. That's total irresponsibility.
0: Hmm. It's interesting. I don't know if I've, you know, heard or- phrase quite like that but I think that it even can be it can even be um if you don't say it even if you're just not dealing with your emotions and you're staying in a angry stewing stage um that those those vibrations are hitting the people all around you it's not like you're not you really do have to deal with it don't you
1: yes And, and it's funny because uh I use another little metaphor I talk about the business owner who's in a bad mood, because business owners tend to think they're the only ones, you know, we're by ourselves. So they'll stay in that slump, that bunk, they used to say. Go dig this ditch, and they'll be down there in this hole, and they'll keep digging and digging. What eventually happens is they realize nobody's going to help them get out. Pick themselves up and get out the ditch, and they're okay. Well, my thing would be to them is to say, if you know you're going to come out of it sooner or later, why bother to go there? <laughs> you have <Yeah>. demonstrated. <laughs> you have demonstrated. You have the ability to get out any time you want, and we do this every day, Marty. All day long, we'll be down. Oh, I'm tired of being down. Let me go take a walk. Is that easy? Mm-hmm. Is that easy? Why go there?
0: You know, there. It seems to me that there's two two basic categories of thinking. One is that. Um, life is hard and everything's difficult and the other is that is that life is good and that you really need to choose and even when life is hard life can be good <laughs> and you really need to choose uh, which way you're going to go I always say you know if if since I have a choice whether I can be happy about this or unhappy with it w- whether I can be okay with it or not okay with it whether I can be calm or upset whether I can be at peace or all stressed out I'm going to pick the side that is um is peaceful i'm going to always just go with the side that is okay and that doesn't mean that i stick my head in the sand and don't pay attention to things that are wrong it means that i look directly at them choose to place a value on them for instance this is apparently going to help me god has something good that he can bring out of this i'm not sure what it is, but right now I know what to do. I know to praise God and to be thankful in the moment and to watch for what He's going to do. And I think that that really does take a tremendous amount of self control because it's easier, even though it's not more enjoyable, it's easier in the moment to give in to the emotions and to let them run away with me.
1: That's exactly right. Uh, there's another uh, example I'll use. I always use, because I get people, adults especially, questioning what I say well, think about it. You were a toddler at some point, two years old, learning to walk. You were determined to walk to the point where you could bang your head, break a bone, whatever it is, and you were going to walk, no matter what anybody else said around you, whether they cried, moaned, rushed you to the hospital. You were going to walk. <laughs> you did not sit down and, and put your chin on your hand and go, "Whoa, with me, I'm going to go walk. No. Everything was about focus on walking, regardless of what happened to you mentally, physically, or emotionally. We did not nurture that ability and become the adult that had mastered it at the level that we had at two years old, but we have that ability.
0: Where do we lose it? Like, You know, it's funny to think about that. You know, nobody tells a child, now today's the day you have to learn how to walk. I mean, they just, they just have the internal, we talked about it earlier, the internal purpose. I absolutely want to be doing what all those people are doing. I want to be able to move myself around. Therefore, I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to just do as much as takes to learn how to do this. Uh, at what point do we lose that and we become maybe lazy about the things that we want to achieve?
1: Well, it, I, you know, it, and when I look at these things, I don't see it as being a laziness of a child's part. I, I see it being more of I want to do these things, like you said, and those things as you mature are things that are limiting. <laughs>
2: We're marrying mm. the
1: adults more and more. So, you know, Dad goes to work and he comes home, he puts his feet up because he's beat. you know, uh, you know, when I was young, I could play all day long up twelve hours and come home, be hungry, and eat and play some more. But now that I know better from watching Dad, I'm supposed to kick my feet up, and I'm beat now.
2: <laughs>
1: we learned limitations instead of the limitless, and it's by example.
0: you know this is such a good word, and um. I think that I think that that is I don't know I guess I've never thought of it exactly that way where the things limit us we will not expend self control to go toward those things whereas the things that expand the light of God we will when we realize what it is doing we actually will do amazing things to go there that's so true I I can't think of I mean I can think of all kinds of scenarios in my head where that's true where People have been willing to do amazing things in expansion, whereas I can't think of very many people who have done amazing things in order to limit their lives. <laughs> but we don't think about it really, I guess, not thinking through, why why am I doing this? Why am I going this direction to the point where we can actually make progress?
1: It, there's a lot when it comes to self-control. And what I mean by that is we're allowing emotions, like you said earlier, to take charge. So the thinking part now is dictated by that. So in order to be a part of the feel-belong, feel like I belong to something, I conform, I give up my value system because I want to feel like I'm a part of something, the job, the group, you know, this membership over here, these sets of friends. And we sacrifice that uniqueness that God has given us in the beginning to be a part of something else. We have violated those laws thou shalt have no other gods before me. We have violated that, the second commandment, no, no you know, uh, uh, images. You know, uh, you know, you can't be worshiping just things in the world. No, we have violated all these laws because we want to feel like we're a part. And when we want to feel a part of something out here, we're sabotaging our connection with God to feel God.
0: Interesting. That is so. That's so interesting. And I think I think there's just so much truth in that, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Thinking about some of my own maybe um, desires and goals that I haven't been able to make good progress on. And I think the bottom line comes back down to the purpose, but more more specifically in this moment for me, the it, the I need to I need to see it from God's perspective of how it expands me. Instead of how it limits me or how it Mm. informs me, Um, Mm. making, you know, I I just think it's so good. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back and also about the role of emotions in success. We're going to take a little break and come right back with Dr. Stanley L.
3: Christian Women's Events. At women's Info. you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian Women's Events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area, or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis for freedom members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at Women's womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info.
0: money troubles got you down? Visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture, set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. That's www.godlywealth.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Sledberg, and you're joining us live today at uh, MarnieFriends.com dot com with our guest today, Doctor Stanley L. of um, the National Society of American Business Owners at NASBO. dot wordpress. dot com. Doctor L, before the break, we were talking about um, about self control and about mm-hmm. how it affects our ability to actually go for our goals and for our um, for the things that God has put in our heart to do and to dream and to uh, achieve in this life. And you also sometimes talk about the role of emotions in success. And we were talking about that a little bit. Maybe let's go that direction for a couple minutes and talk about um, emotions. Because emotions, I, you know what, I always felt bad about having a negative emotion, about feeling anger or Um, feeling disgust or just having any kind of emotion that wasn't a happy, cheerful emotion, I would have this sense of guilt about it. And then someone taught me that emotions are, that emotions simply come. They aren't something that I need to necessarily worry about having an emotion. An emotion is simply a response, just like a, a, a sensation of cold or a sensation of hot. An emotion just happens. But then what we do with the emotion is what really matters. So maybe, how if you would address emotions, how what you've learned about that, the role of emotions in success, and what we can do to uh, try to apply some self-control to ours.
1: Well, yeah. Well, let me ask a question. Because we have you have free will. We have free will to choose what we yeah. want. Hopefully, we'll choose the things that benefit us the most. So, if I were to say to you, Marty, look at your feelings as though they were a faculty, a tool just like your brain, which would be more beneficial, to believe that my feelings just happen, or that I can control them like a tool, just like my brain?
0: Well, I would say it would be more beneficial if I could control them before I experience them.
1: Okay, then we have a choice, don't we? The choice is to look at our, our thoughts like our mind. To look at our well, look at our oh, thoughts like and feelings the same. See them as faculties, as tools. We have three basic tools that we've been given to operate in this world. We have our attention, which is a faculty. that's where the focus comes in. Where I direct my attention is where my focus is, that's what gets my energy at that time. The mind is focused. I can get this thing done. I can put all my faculties into that. I'm now directing my emotions to that. Because my emotions are a tool, I know that if my emotions are skewed because I'm feeling bad. I'm not getting the highest quality of product now. So I have to change my feeling to a positive, constructive feeling, so I can get the best quality out of this energy. Where I'm focusing on my energy right now, it has to be looked as a faculty. That is a faculty. Not only is it a faculty, but it qualifies your energy. We're bundles of tremendous energy. These these forms that we're walking around in, and that energy goes forth. You know, some people call. They look at this thing called the aura, and they talk about auras. They talk about vibration. Well, what determines the quality of an aura or vibration is the quality of feelings. If their feelings are discordant or destructive, the vibe is destructive. God gave us free will to change that, and we do when we've had enough. <laughs> it's just that we we tend to want to drag ourselves through the mud before we get to that point of making the change. Now, if we look at it as faculties, as I said, you know, had said, if you're looking at this, now we're looking at mastering these things. You know, there are people that actually cannot go to bed without having the TV on. Are they allowing their emotions to rest? (laughs) The law from God says, be still and know that I am God. Hold your peace, for I have weapons ye know not of. We need to practice being still so we can feel what God feels like. We need to practice holding our peace so we can see the magic that God uses, the miracle powers that he has. You know, a miracle is really uh, normal in God's world. Take away the human creation, our our stuff, everything's a miracle. Miracles are God's way of life uninterfered with by human creation. It is a way of life in those, those realms, and we're meant to do that, and we have the example. The example is there to show us what it's like when we remove all the discordant emotions. Selfishness is, is one of the biggest culprits. You know, we have to learn to be selfless. Because you're selfish it's thinking right. about yourself all the time. You know, so what's your motive now? You're, you're asking for problems because God gives just like the sun. It doesn't matter what you look like, what your status is, how much money you have. It just gets.
0: So go back and finish the thought, because I, I either missed it or else you didn't finish it. Well, I'm not sure. Um, so go back to the tools. You said we had three tools. The first was attention or focus. What were the other two? Oh.
1: Well, the, the, you have the attention, you have your vision, and then you have your power of qualifying the energy, your feelings, your emotions are a qualifier. When when you are moving this energy and you want to make this energy in this room very joyous, you raise the Thank vibration up to a very constructive feeling. You qualify the energy coming from your being as a high rate of vibration, which we call joy. It's probably the highest vibration you can get, joy. That's when the magic happens. That's when the great ideas come flowing through. That's when you have energy to stay up 24 hours and not even feel it. That powerful mm-hmm. qualification, your vision, the ability to visualize the image that you want to see in front of you, and your attention, which focuses that energy, those are the three faculties that we're, we use every day, all day long, but we have not looked at them as faculties that really give us the power to do anything. Those three things mm-hmm. are what we use to make things happen and manifest in
0: the world attention, vision, and power of qualifying feelings. Now, yep. when is there any distinction between feelings and emotions?
1: No. They're pretty much the same. It's different words say the same thing. You know, I think what happens with people is when you say feeling, you, you kind of have a thing of touch versus an emotion where ah, you're feeling yourself. Sure. But they're, they're really yeah. the same thing. You
2: know,
1: you, know, mm-hmm. you feel this thing. Now, the, 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 the thing that we need to understand, and And really be alert about, conscious of this, these feelings, these emotions that we have, there's only two ways to go. They're either constructive or they're destructive. And you don't need a scientist, a rocket scientist, to tell you the benefits or or not of one or the other. Destructive emotions destroy, constructive emotions build and expand upon God's life and love. Yeah. We make we so really will.
0: Yeah, I kind of view my emotions like I think of a dashboard on a car. Um, mm-hmm. You know, going along, going along just fine, and all of a sudden you have a red light or you have a ding or you have something that signals you that something is amiss uh, below the hood of the car. <laughs> something, uh, either you're running low on gas, or the engine is getting too hot, the oil is low, needs attention, or something like that. And to me when I have a when I have a red light emotion, a negative emotion, that's just signaling to me that there is something that needs attention inside of me, um, in order to bring the stability and the, the joy factor, if you want to call it that, back into uh the, the right zone there. The nor the place of normalcy and I guess Maybe that's where there's a little um, disconnect here going on for me is that I feel like the place where we're supposed to be is at a place of joy, in a place of peace. And when that is shaken, I I call it, you know, my barometer gets shaken or gets stirred up. Um, Then I know that I need to just get back with Jesus again and get some work done in that area of my life, whatever it is that's stirring that up. So maybe just address that for a moment.
1: No, no, what you said is absolutely correct. There's just one factor that we're missing is the control of it. When things happen to you that cause you to feel these discordant feelings, obviously that's an alert. That's a red alert button. So you you're now saying to yourself, I am not in control of the situation. Let me get back to center. Now let me use a different example. If someone gets hit by a car in the middle of the street. Somebody runs over, everybody else stands in the corner and screams. One has complete control of their emotions. They understand that it's helped me, the other one freak out. There's two different conditions here. One takes their emotions to the positive standpoint and reacts to go and give assistance, and the other one stands and creates chaos on the side. We have the choice to do either or. You can, in a red light situation, go just as far south with more destructive and negative emotions that you can switch back and go positive. And people do because they're not aware of how powerful those emotions are.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's a really good that's a really good illustration. You know, again, you know, you didn't cause the accident, but you were there, it happened, now what now what's gonna happen? And I think that in all of us the first the first second would be shock of some kind, you know, mm-hmm. just a a moment of, of reaction, but then what happens next. And those kind of things, um those kind of things become a habit, um not not in the way that we brush our teeth necessarily but a habit of response where we choose we consistently choose. Um I like to think that I consistently choose to believe that God can bring something good out of this no matter what it is. Um and and there are other people that consistently believe that if something bad happens it's really horrible and it's really terrible and it's gonna be a miracle if something good can come out of it. And what you said earlier, I liked what you said earlier about miracles, because I always say I think everything is like a miracle. To me <laughs> <laughs> it's like, i just like, this oh, it's all a miracle to me. So um, I think, you know, it kind of depends on your definition of that word, but mine is very broad. I just think I can see God at work in and through everything. It doesn't have to be a good thing in order for me to see God active in it, and I think that that's a mindset, that's a trained response. I don't think that that maybe necessarily came naturally to me.
1: Well, you know, it's funny, Marnie, the way you, you explained that, see, it makes me think. We have to understand that God gave us free will to to really design our world to be like his. Each individual has that free will. It's not God like a a puppeteer pulling strings and making us go through things. There's a law he put in place. The law is very simple. You reap what you sow. So we were to evaluate ourselves during the course of the day. Okay, 24 hours a day, 50% of my emotions were negative, the other 50% were positive, but then expect that outcome in your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not the one I law.
2: want. But <laughs> <laughs> not the one what I want. Sow. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Reap what you sow is an absolute law. God gave you free will. Each person is the authority in their world for manifesting what exists using God's power. Now, let's go to that real quick. God said, okay, here you are. Free will. He gives you the faculty to determine what it is you want, the ability to see. Without vision, the people perish. So he gives you the ability to see the things you want. He gave you the word to say what it is you want to manifest. If you say, I am sick, guess what? Nothing. God is not going to interfere with his free will for you. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't take back. He's not an Indian giver. <laughs> you said you're sick? Okay, fine. I'm okay with it if you are. <laughs> And what we don't realize is when we stay and accept these things, they are real. That's what the emotions make it real. A thousand thoughts can go through your mind in seconds and mean absolutely nothing. The minute we attach an emotion to it, it becomes an experience that's real in our life.
0: Yeah. Well, that's so true. And that's what you've been you've been saying, that all our in one way or another, that the emotions are so uh, so powerful Um, What what do you say? You have a phrase actually, emotions are the powerhouse, is that it?
1: Yes, right. The emotions are your powerhouse.
0: Emotions are your powerhouse. So let's talk for a moment about flexibility. I I heard a quote, um, Elizabeth Elliott years ago said that she defined flexibility as humility uh, because a flexible person is really able to just go with Whatever is happening, they can they can make it through it, and it's because they aren't focused all on themselves; they're focused on what God's doing through it and how they might be useful in it. So, what what is your perspective on flexibility?
1: Well, see, I look at flexibility as an open minded person. No, that open-minded, might be okay. Well, yeah. Well, and let's go deeper though. Flexibility being a person that's open minded. So you're 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 you're, you're Mile-able. Your mind can adapt to different things. Well, how does that happen? It happens because in an open mind, now you have the flexibility to achieve what you want. I'm flexible enough in, in my mind, the way I look at things, that if something destructive happens, I can manipulate that. No different than an artist painting a picture of a war zone and comes out with a beautiful picture. I have the flexibility to do that. I have my mind open. I can see the beauty in this thing that other people go, wow, that's terrible. (laughs) That's what flexibility is to me.
0: Mind open. That's really interesting. I've never really thought about it in that way at all. I like like the idea of the open mind that allows us to see what could be there instead of just what other people are seeing in the moment. It's the same difference of the person on the corner that just witnessed the accident, one screaming, one helping. You know right. what? What is their this ability to see what could be, and that right. you, and you define that as flexibility. I love that. That's cool.
1: You know, there's a phrase I'd add with to that. That um, it goes, don't give power to appearances, because the things yeah. we see out there are just that. Their appearances. You don't know what the motive is. You don't know the source of its energy. You don't know what the cause of these things are. So you, as an individual in your own world, you can dictate what it benefits if it benefits you or not. You make that choice. To get what other people are doing with it, you make the choice and decision from your free will. I want this situation, every situation, to be a benefit to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look at it that way. I'm going to find the God in this thing. Beloved, Jesus says, "See no man after the flesh." Why? So that he can you can look it for the God in that person, regardless of the appearance.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I I was thinking um, about. Just situations where there doesn't seem to be anything good that could possibly come out of it and this willingness to have an open mind and to say, you know, God, because you said that you could bring good out of everything, I trust you to do so. And it's incredible, really, to watch. It's incredible. I had a terrible situation happen to me just um, a couple months ago. It was, so, it was so mind-bending. I couldn't really even get back to... Uh, praise thinking at all. I kept trying, but you know, every time I would get there, uh, the, the the scenario that just occurred would come just flooding back in with all its negativity, and it was just such a hard thing to do. And I was I, at one point, I remember asking God, uh, just in a moment of <laughs> spiritual lucidity, I said, "I said, is there anything possibly that could come good out of this? I can't even fathom one thing." And He gave me just this random, bizarre thing, and I thought, well. I guess that might happen. And, you know, that that's the very thing that did happen. It was just this crazy thing that I could have never imagined could be good. But that's exactly what happened. And I think so many times it just takes really a leap of faith to just say, I'm not going to even know what it is. I'm not going to need to know. I'm just going to trust that God's got me and that God's got something good here for me no matter how this works.
1: Absolutely. Because God is good as an absolute.
0: God is good as an absolute, so absolutely sounds good. <laughs> you know, go, ahead. People say, oh, go ahead.
1: People say things go to ahead. me, you know, uh you know, we're talking regulating to God and I say God is good, that's an absolute. It's not a if or maybe or sometimes right. <laughs> you know, it's an absolute. And then I use uh, I'll break down the word good. You know, God is mm-hmm. good as an absolute. He gave us the extra O to be obedient. Which means to express only good. In thought, feeling, word, and deed. Hmm.
0: So that's your definition of obedience, to express only good in thought, word, and deed?
1: Absolutely.
2: Hmm. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs>
1: Why would it be anything else?
2: <laughs>
0: Why would it God... be anything else?
1: Hey, Marty, God is good. That means everything else is
0: what? Yeah. I always, say, I always say that I think I think if we're gonna you know and this is a whole other conversation but I always think you know if you just think about hell as the the place where God is not where there's no right. remnant of God then all of a sudden you understand the difference between good and evil you know yes. God is everything good everything, everything evil is everything not God you know so yes. it makes it pretty simple I John Eldridge in his book um, Sacred Romance he said that he felt like the biggest lie that Satan um, tells to people is that God is not as good as he says he is. And I I think I agree with that.
1: (laughs) That's a huge lie. You know, and and I I also think that I I think we need to be practical also because again, each individual has their own free will. But, you know, my choice at 19 years old was to buy into God, my hook and sink. And it was a business decision on my part. It was like I'm going to make <laughs> the best decision. I want to make the best decision for me.
2: Right,
0: that's would yeah.
1: rather I would I rather choose a supreme being that has no limitations and make it as big and you know as I possibly can and believe and accept that than Superman because Superman couldn't have a kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. I love that. Hey, we just have a couple minutes left here. Why is visualizing your goals so important?
1: Oh, as, as the scripture says, without vision, the people perish. When when I talked about the, the energy that comes from your body, all right, uh, it goes out. You apply it to everything. When you cook, you apply the energy, get food. If you're feeling bad that day, the food might not be as nice. You know, it might not be as good. you're feeling great that day, put a lot of love into it, it's going to be a fantastic meal. Everything that manifests in our world, each individual's manifesting these things in their worlds. They have to hold a picture, got to focus their attention to generate the energy that they qualify with their emotions in order to manifest everything in their worlds. So if you don't see a clear picture, you know, if you're, you know, it's kinda of like the water with this ripply, you can't see a clear image, you're not gonna be able to reproduce it. <laughs> but that picture is crystal clear, you'll manifest it. But be mindful of the pictures that you allow to manifest in your mind. There's a lot of stuff going on for media, society out there. Sometimes we're accepting pictures that we don't want in our world and they show up because we're not getting rid of them. We're not getting them out of our world. We allow them to embed in our world. And that becomes a habit that we don't know where it came from.
0: So good. And I just I know some people have talked to me over the years about how they feel like this goal setting thing or this vision thing is, it's of, not of God. And I'm like, well, he talked about it first. It's been kind of skewed by other people, but it was God's mm. idea. So I think mean, we have to get it straight and know that that was God's idea first. And it's God-given goals. That's what we're supposed to go for, not not big dreams about random things that people want or maybe lust after. It's really what did God create you to do? What did God create you to be? That's what he wants you to focus on, you know, focus your energy on becoming, on doing, on giving back to him as a gift as he flows it through you. Yeah, I, I just love, I just love the pursuit of God-given goals because I, I believe that it brings us so much joy in this life.
1: Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. Hmm.
0: You
1: know, it's a it's, uh, for me. There's a lot of basics that we've forgotten, or ignored, whatever you want to call it. And you know, we need to get back to that. And I know this is probably a whole nother show, but. You know, just talking about life earlier, you know, people define life the way it's not. Life is not experiences. Life is the energy and intelligence you use to do what you do and be in this world.
0: I, and I where does say it, it comes from? Yeah. from God, right? <laughs> it comes from
1: God. So Real God's life, energy and intelligence. <laughs> you know, yes. he gave you his energy and intelligence to do things in this world. What are you supposed to do with it? He's perfect. Are you supposed to make it less than perfect? Hmm.
0: I'd like that to. i like to remind. No, I like to remind people to be before you do. <laughs> Not go about doing all the time, but wonder, sit with Jesus, and find out who you are first, and who you are in Him. Doctor, Stan, This hour has just flown by. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you, Marty. I appreciate well, you having all- me.
0: It's always a delight to talk to you, and I learned so much. I've got just pages of notes here from what you've said, and I don't know about you guys here listening with us, but um, I've sure gained a lot from this hour. And I just appreciate your life and your ministry, Stan, so much, and and just your willingness to um, give what God has given to you out to so many. So, thank you for being you and for sharing your life with us.
1: Uh, God bless you. I'm so grateful. Thank
0: you. Okay, and you guys, you can go check out more about Dr. Stanley L and the National Society of American Business Owners over at nsabo.wordpress.com. Again, that's the acronym for the National Society of American Business Owners, or nsabo.wordpress.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Morning Friends. Bye-bye.